Tears fell from my eyes in rivers as I walked into the dim hospital room. Aunt Barb was sitting in a chair holding a little bundle in her arms. She looked up and smiled at me saying, would you like to hold your new baby brother? I sat down and gently took the sleeping little baby from her, smiling, crying, and laughing all at the same time. There I sat, staring at the face of my angel baby. That day had gone just like any other day. Waking up, going to school, coming home to a quiet house, homework, and then supper. Then, midway through the evening, the phone rang. My mom whispering with excitement and urgency in her voice into the receiver. She set the phone down on the counter and said, Matt, your brother is on the phone and I need you to talk to him. My dad spent several minutes on the phone, ending the call with the words, I need to talk to my family, Luke. I'm going to have to call you back. He hung up the phone and stood there in silence. My mom said, what are you thinking, Matt? I'm not sure, Lynn. We're almost done raising the girls. But then he looked at Bonnie and I, let out a deep breath and said, girls, there is a baby boy that Uncle Luke just delivered. The baby's mother came into the hospital saying she was pregnant and no one knew about it. She wants to leave without the baby. She said the baby's father is an alcoholic and she knows he won't be in the picture. Since she was raised by a single mom, she wants to give the baby to a mother and a father. Uncle Luke told her about us and he said he will keep the baby if we don't. So, what do you think? No sooner than those words left his mouth than we both said with enthusiasm, Yes, Dad, yes, we want him! You see, we had tried to adopt a baby a couple years before that. We even had his name picked out, Brenton Matthew. But then the birth mother backed out of the adoption at the last minute. We were heartbroken. And we decided we couldn't go through that again. We decided to not actively search for a baby to adopt, and we left it at that. Thinking our dreams of having a little baby brother or sister would never happen. But there I was, sitting in a room with a six-hour-old baby, whom I would now call my little brother. We took him home that night. Laden with free extra onesies, diapers, and formula the nurses at the hospital put together for us from their stash of samples from the vendors. When we got home, my mom laid Brenton on her bed, and we all just sat there in stunned silence, looking at this beautiful little baby in wonder. We undressed him so we could look at his little toes and fingers. We looked at his little tummy and his dark hair, googling over every aspect of his cute little baby self. Eventually, we all went to bed. Excitedly getting up the next morning, we called out of school and work so we could spend the day soaking in the idea that we had a new baby. It was fun making the phone calls to the rest of our family, announcing the shocking but good news. Our world taking a complete 360-degree turn in just one phone call from my Uncle Luke. Brenton Matthew was our little angel baby, lighting up our quiet lives with excitement and wonder in a way only a baby can do. Welcome back to Storystone, my dear listeners. In this episode, you will listen to a quick little story about my brother, but I realized when I started typing it out, many of you don't know about the magical day he was given to us. I decided I want to tell his birth story, and he gave me his permission. 
Now, moving on, I have to say this month has been a hard one. Trying to come up with a good story and direction to take for this episode was hard. I decided to look into my Storystone archives and see what unused stories I had sitting there from the past conversation with my friends. I opened a file I had on my friend and previous co-worker, Steve Tapas. He had shared some crazy near-death experiences with me. I had FaceTimed with him over a year and a half ago, but remembered he had a couple of stories of his that I didn't share with you. If you haven't listened to the episode with Steve, it was one entitled Time Bending. Go have a listen because it's such a fun one. Your mouth will drop open in a few spots. Steve can be very philosophical, and when I opened his file, the very first phrase I had typed out while we had our talk was, exploring the limits of the world. Wow, Steve, what a cool phrase. I first thought about the crazy experiences Steve had told me and how he really did just that, explored the limits. Have you done this? Push the boundaries you thought existed in this world just to see what would happen? If you think the answer is no, wrong. To push those limits, it doesn't have to be some daring, exciting thing. Every one of us started doing this not long after emerging into this world as little babies. I just watched the cutest video of a baby learning about her shadow that was cast on the floor. The sweet little chubby thing was crawling on the floor but stopped when she saw her shadow. Then she put her hand in the air to grab at the shadow and made the realization that when she moved her arm, the shadow moved with it. So there she sat waving her little hands in the air, enraptured by her shadow. Now you see it, don't you? You have done it, and honestly, that is a joy we as parents, or big sisters, get to watch. We get to watch the exploration of this world, so brand new and exciting. My boyfriend was telling me about how amazed he was as he watched his children learn when they were toddlers. He told me a story about his daughter when she was a toddler. He was lying on the couch while she toddled around the living room. She started playing with the remote with him. Pushing buttons, giggling as they played, keep away with the remote. The thing he found so amazing was how when he put the remote under his t-shirt, she couldn't find it. As soon as it was under his shirt, it was as if it completely disappeared and she started looking at him with the expression of, where did it go? He found this to be the cutest thing ever. She was exploring the limits of the world and learning the laws of nature. All this conversation about our kids learning about the world got me to thinking about how some kiddos just push the envelope a little harder than others. My son Ian was a crazy wild little boy and he pushed the limits all the time. While my sweet Ava was very timid, holding back and learning in her own quiet, observing way. My little brother was one of those children that loved to explore the limits of the world, sometimes in the most difficult ways. He just had to learn the hard way. I'd find myself arguing with him and then stop and say to myself, wait a second, why am I arguing with a three-year-old about the safety of his behavior? He's three and I'm 19. Of course I know better. (laughs) Let me give you an example. This event happened when my brother was around two years old. Here's how it went. Every evening, he would take a bath. 
The cute little chubby toddler would get out of the warm bath and get all dried off with a fluffy towel. Then my mom would try her best to wrap him in a warm towel and take him to his bedroom to get his PJs on. But the wild little guy would wiggle from the towel and race down the hall to the living room. Squealing and giggling, he'd run naked to the fireplace in the living room. It was a nice little stove with a glass window on the front. He would back his little naked self right up to that nice warm stove, backing his bare bottom up to the hot glass window. I'd race after him and pull him back away from the stove and tell him, Brenton, baby, you can't get so close. You're going to burn your bottom. He'd pull away and back up as close as I'd let him until mom would come with his pajamas and wrestle him into them. But one time, I couldn't catch him in time, and he backed his little bottom up against the hot glass window on the front of the fireplace. He quickly registered the searing pain to his bottom and burst out into a fit of tears. He had a perfect square of burned skin on his cute little bottom. My mom cried over it. I felt awful, and we did our best to console the poor little guy. Thank goodness he healed quickly. Needless to say, he explored the limits of the world the hard way that evening. My son Ian just turned 18 and is graduating from high school in a couple of days. Next fall, he will be joining the ranks of the freshman college students. This is also a new time for him to test the limits of the world, isn't it? I mean, if I think back on my college experience, it was all about learning new things. Not just book knowledge, but the social aspect of life as well. Being independent from my family and on my own at college, I was able to start seeing how other people did things, how they behaved, and just what other opportunities I had in life. Ian now gets to spread his wings and test the limits of what he thought he knew. While we had some downtime the other day at work, I posed the question, what did you do during college to explore limits of the world? Of course, I got the usual responses from some like, I went to some pretty crazy parties or we on a road trip to Florida for spring break. Man, it was nuts. But then one of my co-workers, Julie, piped up and said, you know, I wasn't really wild and crazy in college, but I did do a couple of things that I look back on and laugh at my younger self. I thought I was so mature and grown up at the time, but now I look at it and see how young and immature I really was, but also how brave I was. Julie told me of how she always dated older guys. They would always break up with her as they neared graduation and tell her it was because she was too young and immature. At the time, she thought she was really pushing the boundaries, dating a senior when she was just a freshman, but a super mature freshman. She just couldn't understand why the guy would tell her she was too young and immature. Now she just laughs and says, I totally get it. I was super young and immature. Julie did push the boundaries in another way that she was proud of. She was the first girl in her college to play on an all-men's ultimate frisbee team. Julie has such a big grin and infectious laugh. We were soon rolling with laughter as she talked about how there was no way she could keep up with the athletic guys, so instead she was always placed on defense against the, hmm, how should I say this nicely? chubby boys that couldn't run very fast. (laughs) Julie, you may have been a bit too immature for the senior gentlemen to take you home to their mamas, but you learned what a strong, independent woman you could be from your college frisbee experience. 
I didn't push the boundaries much as a college student, but I did start doing one specific thing that in my mind pushed the limits of what I was used to. I started eating meat. (laughs) I know, silly, right? (laughs) But growing up viewing meat as such a taboo thing, it was kind of shocking and exciting to my young college self to be learning about this part of the food world I hadn't explored. My nursing friends and I would go out to this one certain Mexican restaurant every Friday to celebrate the difficult week we had just gone through. It became a weekly ritual. The very last Friday of nursing school, we all went one more time. Every time we went, we would all get chicken burritos that were smothered in cheese sauce. It was delicious. But on that very last day, all of us had finished eating and Anna was just finishing off the last of hers and she squealed in horror. We were all stunned as we looked at her plate. There in the last bit of her burrito that she had cut open sat half of a very large cockroach. Yuck! We all sat there with sick stomachs and couldn't believe we had all just eaten from a kitchen infested with giant cockroaches for the last two years. (laughs) College was a wonderful place that opened my eyes to many things. It broadened my horizons and helped me learn how to socialize and enjoy the company of a diverse group of friends. Now I get excited as I watch Ian get ready for the college experience, pushing his own limits of who he is and what he thinks he can do. Cockroaches come what may. (laughs) I digress, though. I know you didn't come here to listen to me ramble on about cockroaches and burritos. You really came here to listen to the stories like the ones told to me by Steve DePass, didn't you? (laughs) He came up with the phrase, exploring the limits of the world for a reason. He has a lot of experience in that department. Steve liked to scuba dive. I don't blame him. It's a pretty amazing experience. When he was in his late teens, he had a friend by the name of John who had a 16-foot Larson. Such a fun-looking boat. Creamy-colored fiberglass hole with a bright red paint job on the top. Open seating behind the captain's chairs with the cutest little windshield in front. Sturdy little boat with a decent engine to navigate the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Florida. The weather report for that particular day didn't mention any storms, so Steve and John thought they were going to enjoy a day out on the ocean scuba diving, and then just tootling back to the harbor. But if you've ever spent a week on the Gulf of Florida, you will know how quickly a storm can pop up out of nowhere. One minute it's a gorgeous day with a few puffy white clouds in the sky, and the next minute the wind is whipping up. You glance up as your umbrella starts to flutter in the wind. Next thing you know, you're chasing it down the beach as the big splats of rain start falling. (laughs) That is exactly what happened to Steve and John, minus the umbrella. But the good thing is, the Larson set up pretty high in the water, so as they turned the boat towards shore, it was with only a little trepidation. But the storm grew and grew. The swell soon hit four to five feet. The Larson began to take on water. Steve started to bail as John tried to hit the waves just right to prevent even more water from coming over the sides and into the boat. As the two young men began to really start to worry, they suddenly saw, off in the distance, another boat. Through the pouring rain and wind, they came nearer to a small Boston whaler. Her sides weren't quite as high as the Larson, and she was top-heavy with a white awning. Squinting through the rain and wind, they could barely see anything. 
but they could just make out a teenage boy frantically bailing water over the side. Two girls and their mother were huddled up near the windshield, a futile attempt to shelter from the storm. There was a man in the boat at the helm. Now, just like Steve had seen in the movies, the man put his hands up to his mouth and yelled through the storm, Can you take on women and children? John and Steve, of course, didn't hesitate. John made a clumsy attempt to moor up to the distressed boat, but the waves were so large the Larson slammed into the side of the Boston whaler. They hit the other boat so hard it made Steve's teeth rattle in his head and he was just sure there would be a large crack in their hole. They quickly pulled the girls and their mother into the Larson and shoved away. The father of the family yelled, We will meet you back at the harbor! John turned the Larson into the waves, head on, up one side until it crested over the top of that five-foot wave, and then the front of the boat would come smacking down. Bam! Up! Bam! Up! Bam! Through the torrential downpour they slogged, Steve keeping the water level down in the boat as they went. This next part makes me kind of chuckle. Here's what a teenage boy thinks about in a life-or-death situation. How cute the 17-year-old girl is. (laughs) He even thought about how he would save her if they capsized. Not fearing for himself, mind you, just the plan to save her if need be. His grand plan was to put his scuba flippers on because then he figured they would give him enough power to swim with her back to the harbor. (laughs) Silly boy. Well, thank goodness Steve never had to implement this plan of his. After a long hour and a half of pushing through the wind, waves, and rain, they saw the inlet to the harbor, finally pulling into the boat slip just as the storm began to die down. Steve wanted to talk to the older teenage girl, but she was so full of worry for her father and brother, he knew the timing just wasn't right. You don't go asking a girl for her number while she's waiting to see if her dad and brother have just drowned in the storm now, do you? So there they all sat in silence, John checking out the sides of the Larson, making sure it was still watertight. When finally, an hour later, there came the Boston Whaler. They made it! The mother and girls sighed in relief, but then what happened stuck with Steve and left a sour taste in his mouth. The man pulled the boat up to the dock. His son jumped out and hastily tied the boat to the moorings as the man grabbed a hold of his wife's arm. Jerking her, he yanked her down the dock with him, yelling to his girls, Come! Now! And off they went, piling into their car, wheels squealing as he angrily sped away. Both John and Steve stood there in utter shock, mouths agape. There were no words of thanks, no concern for John's boat. No talk about how they barely escaped with their lives. Just complete and utter disrespect for what Steve and John had just done for them. That day, Steve learned what he was capable of doing during a crisis. How he could keep a level head, even when distracted by a lovely girl. And sadly, he learned a hard lesson about humanity. Some people cannot see past the end of their own noses. Exploring the limits of the world that day gave him courage he didn't know he had and an insight into the world he wouldn't have had otherwise. 
Now, of course, Steve never lost his passion for living on the wild side. He may have slowed down a bit after starting his family, but he still likes to just enjoy the moment. So one day, after his children were grown, he found himself floating on his back in the beautiful waters of Hawaii, just enjoying that moment in time. Floating on his back like he had no cares in the world. During a high surf warning, Steve saw that red flag flying on the beach that day and scoffed at it. He was a fabulous swimmer. Hours and hours of scuba diving experience under his belt over the years. He didn't need to stay out of the water that day. It was gorgeous. Now, instead of just sticking to the shallows, Steve waded in until his feet couldn't touch the sandy bottom. It was a hot day and the water was clear and inviting. He soon laid on his back with his arms and legs spread out wide, closed his eyes and just let the water hold him up. Up and down, up and down he floated in those gentle waves. Occasionally he opened his eyes as he floated past the college kids on surfboards, all of them giving him a look of shock mingled with humor. They should have hollered out to him, Hey dude, do you realize where you're floating? But they didn't, and on Steve floated, unwillingly being pulled out to sea in a rip current. Yes, the current was moving so fast he was pulled far, far from the beach in a very short amount of time. Steve opened his eyes and looked to the side. He saw the Catholic church that was perched on the edge of a cliff overlooking the ocean and bay. His brain suddenly realized the trouble he was in when he saw how quickly the church moved from his line of vision. He quickly turned over, realizing how far out to sea he was, and started paddling for shore. After several long, hard minutes, he was back in line with the church, but his muscles were getting tired. He needed to stop for a second to catch his breath. And during those few seconds of rest, out he went, away from the church sitting on the rocky ledge at the far edge of the bay and even farther from the beach. He flipped back over on his back and started doing the backstroke. Five minutes of hard work and he finally got back to the point of having the church in view out the side of his vision. Huffing and puffing, lungs unable to take it any longer, he paused to catch his breath and zoom, out the current took him again. He got back to his backstroke this time, thinking to himself, well, this is how it happens. You run out of steam, then you die and go back to where you came since you crawled out of the oven. (sighs) But that day was not the day for Steve to die. One of those surfers had kept an eye on him and had pity on the poor guy. After watching Steve struggle to make headway in the current, the surfer caught his eye. He waved at Steve, and Steve waved back. The surfer gave just a few hard strokes and pulled his board up next to Steve and said, Hang on, dude! Steve kicked with his legs as he hung on for dear life. The surfer paddled with all his might. Steve kicked and kicked until they finally broke free from the riptide. He sent Steve to the shore on a big wave. The wave took Steve tumbling and throwing him into the surf and sand at the shoreline. Steve managed to pull his bedraggled, sputtering self up to the shore, trying to be nonchalant about it all as his wife Ina gave him a questioning look. He plopped himself down on a towel next to his son Jay. They sat there in silence for a while as Steve's breathing started to return to normal. Jay just continued to gaze out at the water, not looking at his dad, when he said with a slight chuckle, You almost drowned, didn't you? 
Yep, sure did. Then they both started to laugh, their shoulders quaking with laughter at the absurdity of what Steve had just done. (laughs) It just wasn't your time that day, was it, Steve? You had so much more to do in this lifetime, so much more to learn and experience, so much more to give to others. Now, I'm not telling my Storystone kids to go out and do dangerous things. By all means, think before you act, please. But I am encouraging you to dive into new things. Use everything you do as a time for learning, a time for exploring, a time for growing. So now the question is, what does exploring the limits of the world do for us? Why should we encourage each other through that process? It's all about learning and growing, isn't it? We start this process as babies and we must continue it. Steve is an awesome person to talk to because of the growth and learning he has done in his lifetime. Thank you, Steve, for sharing your stories with Storystone. And a big thank you to all of my listeners for coming back to listen to this podcast. One more month, one more episode. I will have shared stories with you every month for the last two years. It's amazing and I have truly enjoyed this learning experience. I definitely explored my limits, that's for sure. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought I would write, edit, and produce a podcast. But here I am, almost two years later. Now for those of you that are avid Storystone listeners, don't worry. I think I have a way of bringing new life and a new version of Storystone to you, but it'll take me a bit to get the ball rolling. But for now, I'd like to leave you with a question. How will you explore the limits of the world? Until next time, dear listeners. <laughs>